You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 183. And I was there for about three and a half hours and just listening the whole time. And it, she was expressing, you know, the different situations that she was up against with her family members and selling the house and, you know, all the responsibilities on her plate. And so I just sat there and really just listened to her and tried to find the right solution. And then, you know, ultimately we were able to sign the, uh, the purchase agreement at the end of that conversation. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Welcome to another episode here on Wholesaling Inc. My name is Cody Hoffheim, and I will be hosting today's podcast episode. And today we have a rock star rhino that has been in the tribe for six months. That's going to be joining us now. Before I get into this and introducing our guest, for those that might be new to the podcast or just beginning their journey, learning about wholesaling real estate. That's exactly what we're going to deep dive today. We're going to talk about what wholesaling is. Simply just quick breakdown, easy scoop on this. An easy definition is just the art of finding deeply discounted properties that you can then turn for huge profits. So we have individuals that can make two grand, five grand, 10 grand. We've seen people make $90,000. It's totally up to you on what you do with your wholesaling and how you choose to make your profit on the end. Some people choose to fix and flip. Some people just keep them for rentals. But the secret is finding these deeply discounted properties that are most times off-market properties. And that's what we're dedicated here on this podcast to do is help you find those deeply discounted properties because every good real estate deal begins with that deeply discounted property. So today we have Omar uh, Masalem. I hope I said it right. Did I say it right? Masalem. Masalem. Gosh dang it. We just asked you for Omar Masalem. (laughs) And he currently lives in Norfolk, Virginia. He started Mm -hmm. wholesaling in Florida and joined the tribe back in December. So it's been a little over six months. But this rock star has already closed on eight deals since December. He has a ninth one that is going into closing. It's a probate deal. So it's taken a little bit longer. And so what we're going to do today, for those that are listening, get out a piece of paper and a pen and jot down the gold nuggets because Omar's going to open up all the books right here. He's going to show you everything step-by-step what he did to find this deal that we're going to deep dive so that you can now implement some of these action items, put it into work, put it into progress, and see what kind of return you get on that time, on that investment. So Omar, my man. Let's cut through the fat and go right into this and let's help people get closer to getting their first deal or maybe their next deal. But tell me a little bit about yourself and then let's deep dive this deal. Absolutely. Cody, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, So I joined the tribe. Thank you. Thank you. I joined the tribe in December of uh, 2017. And kind of what got me to that point was, you know, I really wanted to get into real estate investing and I heard enough people tell me you know, you should start with wholesaling because that's a great, great segue. And so that's what I did. And uh, my first deal I actually did before I joined the tribe. And it was just pure grit. And, and just I was driving for dollars, looking for properties. I I would spend four, five, six hours driving around when I was in Pensacola, driving around town, 
writing down all these properties and I would uh, turn around, go home and spend like five or six hours writing letters to every single property. <laughs> put the, put, I love put this. The, yeah, put the postage on, send out like, I mean, let's, I think the first mailing I sent out probably 40 letters and I got like three or four phone calls back, had no script in place, had nothing in place. And I remember that first phone call that came in, I was just super nervous and, you know, talking to a motivated seller for the first time, didn't get a deal out of that one. And in fact, I did another uh, round of those letters, didn't get a deal out of that, but I got, you know, some reps and exposure in front of sellers. And then I was, you know, doing the driving for dollars. I found this lot that was, uh, had a dilapidated for sale by owner sign in kind of like, you know, the outskirts of downtown Pensacola. So I called the seller, doesn't call me back. I call him again a week later. He wants $5,000 for the lot. And, uh, I was able to negotiate him down to 4,000. And this was the first deal we're talking about. This is my first deal. This was in about uh, October, so about two months before. You're just I out the there, failing your way forward. Like I'm going to call this guy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but we're sure going to make yeah. it up. Let's do it. Yeah. So, I, anyways, I put the property under contract for 3,500, and you know, my thinking, I'm like, what could go wrong? I mean, worst case scenario, I buy this piece <laughs> of land for 3,500 dollars. Like that's not the end of the world. So I put it under contract, and then I market it on Facebook. I'm like, hey, I've got this assignable contract for sale for this lot. And I found a buyer for 4500 So my first wholesale deal was for $1,000 from a dilapidated for sale by owner sign. And I'm like, you know, it, great confirmation in my mind. I'm like, man, this works. This is awesome. And that closed in <laughs> December, a few that days before awesome. I joined the tribe. Yeah, That is awesome. So you got a good taste instantly. Now, what I love about this is the fact that you just went out and took action. And that's all the difference for everyone listening out there. You don't want to get caught up in over-educating yourself or just simply even to, I don't want to down this podcast because it's our podcast, it's our baby. But if all you did is just listen to our podcast, it's not going to produce results. You've got to go out there and implement what you're listening to, what you're hearing, some of these action items. And there's some gold nuggets already that you can already put into action that Omar has just shared with you. And that is get out there and just go take action. He didn't know exactly what to do, but he found driving for dollars, old for sell by owner sign, called on it, didn't give up after the first phone call, called again a week later. And here he is, his first deal, $1,000 for what would you say if you had to give about how many hours you put into that total, what would you say that looks like? Just that deal specifically, um, the driving plus the phone call and then the appointment and then meeting the cash buyer, probably about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours for a thousand bucks, a little over, I should say a little under about $500 an hour. That's unbelievable. That's amazing pay. That's what can happen. And this is real stuff. So I love that that got you absolutely excited, yoked, you joined the tribe and here you are eight deals into this. Let's go right to the meat potatoes and let's deep dive this deal that we're going to talk about. What I want you to do is break it down so granular where we can truly help individuals that are listening, give them a shot right now to start taking action. So how did you find this lead from the deal that we're going to talk about? Absolutely. So this one, so I was doing a little bit of Facebook advertising and I got a lead from Facebook for a homeowner. She had a piece of land she wanted to sell. And she wasn't uh, quite ready to sell, but she gave me a referral and she said, Hey, this, you know, this lady, you know, a house in her family had just burned. It was a concrete house. So, you know, it was still structurally sound. 
but there was a huge fire and you know circumstances they needed to sell the house she's like give her a call so the lead was a referral from facebook and <laughs> i <laughs> i called her you know on my google voice because i was still using you know the, the archaic setup before i i was fully integrated with the tribe uh-huh. um and i called her and you know i met with her and you know she's like yeah we need to sell at the end of the day, we didn't arrive to uh, a decision, and so I'd follow up with her. Uh, we were we were having trouble kind of nailing down a price that made sense. Um, and I was this was you know still in December when I was barely joining the tribe and still kind of getting my traction. So all I knew at that point was she's a motivated seller. She's got what a made you for look sale. that she was motivated? I guess what were the signs? I know it's burned down, but I mean, was she telling you anything over and above the fact that you knew that there was fire damage or there was this going on at the house? Did she like specifically have anything that she was saying that let you know, like, man, not only is this home distressed, but she's motivated to sell this home? Yeah, absolutely. So it was her grandmother's house and uh, her grandmother was very ill. And so, you know, I, I was there to try to find a solution for them. And they wanted, you know, long story short, they wanted they didn't want the liability on their hands if she did pass. So they wanted to have some funds readily available in case they need to take care of the, the passing. So that was one one thing they needed help with. Plus, the, the house needed probably $20,000 in repairs just to be habitable, not even like wow. fully fully repaired. So, so something and, that and most likely have couldn't funds. have been put on like the MLS or listed Absolutely. by – well, I mean, it could be listed to it by an agent for a cash sale, so I don't want to say that. But traditional – retail buyer most likely couldn't get a loan on the home in this condition. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So here you are talking with them. You find out their why and they are motivated. They want to sell. And is this all done over the phone or were you now sitting in person with these individuals? Did you, did you meet face to face? What did that look like? Initially it was over the phone, right? That was the first contact. And then we met at the house. Okay. So that was the first kind of, that was like day zero and day one. So from there, it was probably another uh, week before we spoke. And, you know, we went back and forth for the next two and a half months where I'd reach out to her. And then she stood me up on a few appointments where I'd say, okay, we're going to meet at McDonald's today. We're going to meet here. And we'd both agree to it. And she didn't show up. Um, But that was okay. You know, I kept following up because the home was still there. And was the hesitancy if, just to kind of get a background? Was it because of they just were, I mean, they knew they wanted to sell, but they weren't quite ready to sell? Or is it more of a, you know, I'm trying to get multiple offers or, you know, what you are initially offering me isn't enough? What did that look like? Like what, um, what led to this long of they, a close? Yeah, they didn't chop me around or anything like that. It was, um, I think it was them just dealing with, because there's multiple family members involved, but I was only dealing okay. with one individual. Yeah, And the conclusion was, you know, we went on another um, appointment at, at her personal house, not not the distressed property. And I was there for about three and a half hours and just listening the whole time. And it, she was expressing, you know, the different situations that she was up against with her family members and selling the house and, you know, all the responsibilities on her plate. And so I just sat there and really just listened to her and tried to find the right solution. And then you know, ultimately we were able to sign the, uh, the purchase agreement at the end of that conversation. So the key things that I'm, I'm jotting down notes, by the way, because I love what you're saying. And one thing that I want to bring up to those listening, listen to how he spent three and a half hours at this seller's house and majority of the time listening. 
and I always use this as a just a simple phrase or a simple joke, is God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. <laughs> and so here you are doing a great job being a listener so you can try and truly hear what it is that they're trying to accomplish so that at that point, you can start to see if you actually are going to be a benefit or a solution to them. Absolutely. And I'm looking at the purchase agreement right now. It was signed on April 2nd. And I remember the first contact was probably mid-December. Mid-December. And then it took (laughs) until you say April to actually put a a written agreement in place. That's right. And if you had to give a number, because there's so much value to those listening, including a reminder to myself, there's so much value in the power of follow-up. How many times, if you had to say from December to April, you had to have talked to this person at least X amount of times. What number is that? Between the actual, um, you know, like outbound contacts, text, email, phone calls, I would say probably in the ballpark of 25. And then actual phone calls, at least five separate phone calls where we, you know, I called, she picked up when we had a conversation. But um, on top of that, every time I called and she didn't answer, I'd leave a voicemail or I'd send her a text. Um And it was never anything like, it was always positive, you know, just trying to move the ball a little bit closer to the net. So 25 um, time follow-up at this point, she probably considers you family. You've talked to her a lot of times, (laughs) met with her multiple times. Maybe she's missed out on a couple of times that she couldn't meet, but ultimately you stuck with it. You didn't give up. You didn't just throw it away. You stuck with it because you saw that you were going to be a benefit to this individual put it under contract in April to give them a breakdown. If the home was completely fixed up, what would it be worth? And then ultimately, what did you put it under contract for? So I think the ARV of this house was around $49,000, like completely fixed up. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I put it under contract for $7,000 and then I turned around and sold it for 15000 Turn around and so so hold on. This is good stuff. We got to get the victory bell. So here we are. You end up putting this home under contract, distressed property at $7,000. And then from there, you were able to assign this contract to another cash buyer that's going to do all the rehab himself, right? Or did you rehab it? I did not rehab it. I, I uh, double closed to okay. uh, a cash buyer. Perfect. And if I'm Making my my math right on this one, you made $8,000 on this simple assignment. That's right. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hold on one second. All right. So here we have Omar going out there for his second deal. Now, this may not have been your second closing because it took so long. It took you into April. But my mm-hmm. man, $8,000 is a great payday. And yes, this one took a little bit more hours than the probably the one that paid you $1,000, but also paid you quite a bit more. What has it done for you since? I know you've now done, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you've done eight deals. I mean, what in total of, of like assignments and money made, what have you made on all those eight deals combined? On the eight deals, uh, $44,200 and some change. And with this ninth one coming in, I should be about at about 55,000. And, you know, with this deal specifically, I was more proud of this just because of all the follow-up that yeah. went into it. And, and just seeing that, you know, that, you know, success come out at the back end, not just for me, for the seller too, because it was a huge weight lifted off of her shoulders. 
And, you know, I was able to solve that problem. And then ultimately the cash fire was also able to improve the quality of that neighborhood. And um, hopefully, you know, there'll be a family that's in there renting pretty soon once that house is all fixed up. That's phenomenal. I look at this and I think of now, are you doing this full time or are you doing a part time? Part time. So part time, that's probably even a better point to, to pin out to some of these individuals that might be listening is so many of us are or were trapped in like a nine to five corporate America. And maybe they're just looking for ways. And maybe it's something that you only want to do on the side. And maybe there's people out there that are saying, hey, I just want to do real estate on the side because I love my job. We have plenty of students that have gone through the program that choose to just do it on the side. But this is a perfect example. Here you have a working income that you have a full-time job and on the side. So again, this is more than the average American makes in a year. And here you are doing this part-time on the side, $55,000 in. Yes, there's some marketing costs that's got to come out of that. But this is looking like a great year for a part-time gig. And that's what I want to make sure listeners out there, can you do it part-time? Absolutely. Here is living proof. Omar is doing it part-time. He's not doing it full-time. Now, is this something in the future you're looking to go full-time or is this something that you always want to maintain part-time? Yeah, absolutely. I want to definitely build this into uh, a business full-time, just like the way that you and uh, Tom teach. Yeah, uh, And then ultimately, kind of see what my options are after, at that point. I just finished the uh, the cash flow quadrant. I know you, I think you're a huge fan Such of that book. Such a good book. Uh, That's one of my favorites. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about the only reason you build a business is to ultimately one day sell it. So that, you know, that might be an option in the future. But at least now, you know, after doing nine deals, I see the light going forward. And that's an awesome, awesome feeling. Well, and ultimately, to follow further along Robert Kiyosaki's whole philosophy, right, is how to ultimately now get to the point where you're not trading your time for your money, where you can actually have a business that functions with or without you. Yes, you're going to be a visionary and build up to the point where you're still involved maybe with some meetings where you go in there and and get the team built up, make sure they're sticking to their plan, make sure they're staying with their goals, make sure your acquisition manager is doing what they need to do. Yes, there's that involvement. But ultimately, where if you were gone for a whole month, that you could go to your bank account and see that money's not going out, but that money's still coming in. And that's a beautiful thing. And Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. And real estate ultimately ends up doing that. But business owners, first and foremost, starting a business that you own, but then getting to the point where it's not you always trading your time for money, but then ultimately going passive and hopefully cherry pick some of your best deals and keep them for rentals for yourself so that you can ultimately have passive income coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Mr. Omar, we always like ending our podcast the same way. You're probably familiar and used to this. If you were to give a book, something that would help individuals that you said, man, I read this book and it just changed my life or it changed my mindset. What book would you refer to people as a good book to read and why? Well, in addition to uh, the cash flow quadrant, I really, really like Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. It really uh-huh. helped, you know, coming out of the going to public school and, and then college and whatnot, never really being exposed to sales and marketing. Uh-huh. Um, Seller Be Sold totally shifted that paradigm. And it was like, you are in control of your income. You can really have as much as you want. You are uncapped. And it talks about ultimately everyone's really a salesperson, but to what degree? And then, you know, as much as you want to sell is, is it, you know, you can control your income through sales. And that was a concept that I never really explored until this, this past year. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now, looking back hindsight, the vision's usually 2020. But if you were to start all over again and you had to start from ground zero, what would you do differently or maybe what would you have done the same that would help listeners that are right at the beginning stages? Uh, as far as wholesaling, definitely sticking to one marketing channel. You know, I, like I said, I was doing uh, Facebook, but I was also because I was in the, the tribe, I stuck with the direct mail as well. You know, kind of, kind of, you know, the entry I made was I was already doing Facebook ads and then I started the tribe. So I was doing the direct mail. But if you can frame it in a way where you're focusing on one marketing channel, it's not necessarily just because of the money that it's generated and your energy is focused into one channel. It's also like your time. You're not worried about whether it's bandit signs or online marketing or whatever, you know, sticking with one marketing channel allows you to like, zero in 100% focus on where your efforts are going to go. And then ultimately automating that and then adding in a second and a third and a fourth. So true. So true. One bullet at a time. We call it the sniper approach, not shooting a shotgun where 10% of the BBs hit and 90% of the BBs miss, but that you're singular focused on one thing, get it up and running, get it fully automated, put a system in place, add your next marketing channel. So awesome advice. I would highly recommend that. I second what he just said, that is that is sound advice and that is how people succeed. Some of the brokest investors I've ever met are people that had to shut doors or close down doors or close shop. It's because they had too much going on all at once. So great advice. I love it. Omar, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been amazing to have you share some of these tips, tricks, and gold nuggets that will help a lot of our listeners and that will resonate with them. So thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cody. Okay, Rhino Nation, you've heard another amazing episode right here from Omar Masalam. Did That's I say right. it again? Yes, I got it right. Okay, you've heard another episode from Omar sharing his tips, tricks, and secrets of how he's done his deals. It's been amazing to listen how sound that advice is and how sound all those principles are that, that got him these deals and how he's consistently doing business. For those of you that are looking to grow your own wholesaling business, Continue to listen to the podcast as that is a way you can learn these free tip tricks and gold nuggets. But also you can go over to wholesalinginc.com and go play around on the website. But one thing that might inspire you and motivate you to help build you up to let you know that you can do this also is click on the reviews tab up top and you're going to see hundreds of movies of video testimonials from students that have gone through the course, but people doing it all across this great nation, sharing that how it's changed their life, what it's done for them. So it will motivate you to let you know you can do this too. Also, a reminder for each of you out there, for those that are tribe members and non-tribe members, we have the live event coming up in October in North Carolina in Asheville. So it's October 15th, 16th, and 17th. And to reserve those seats, you can go on. So opening this up to also for the first time to non-tribe members, go over to WholesalingSummit2018.com. Again, that's WholesalingSummit2018.com to reserve your seat so you can join us in Asheville live with tribe members as well as non-tribe members. This is the first time we've done it, opened up to non-members. So we're glad to have you guys come along, but book those seats. They're going quick and it's going to be sold out as it has been each and every year. Until next time, we'll see you in our next episode as we deep dive yet another deal. Take care. 
That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.